Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Training camps are here, football is back, and the Pick 6 NFL podcast will be with you all preseason, just like they've been in your podcast inbox every day throughout the offseason. Join host Will Brinson daily to catch up on the latest from around the league with an added fantasy and gambling twist. Make sure that you're ready for the 2019 NFL season and download and subscribe to the Pick 6 podcast anywhere podcasts are found. Welcome back to the First Cut Podcast here on CBS Sports. We are still raging with Shane Lowry at the never-ending party. Thanks to him winning the Open Championship, the uh, the champion golfer of the year has put out some incredible highlights of his uh, celebratory evening and since. Now, we will get to that, uh, along with some other open leftovers and starting to uh, turn our attention to the WGC in Memphis this week. We begin with you, Kyle. Have you readjusted your body from Open Championship time? The body clock is back. Uh, who was it? Stanford? Stanford. Bad body clocks? Yeah. I'm good. My body clock's good. Uh, the Shane Lowry stuff was cool, huh? That was very, very cool. It was it's, it, uh, it it was relatable, right? Yeah, and that and that was I got some I got some flack. I I wrote about this on Sunday evening after we talked, after we did our three man pod with with Mark Emmelman, and after we did a bunch of HQ stuff. Everybody should watch our stuff on HQ, but um. I wrote about how it was my favorite golf moment of the year. And people were like, oh, you're an idiot. This is the worst take. And I get that. Like, I understand why they're saying that because Tiger Woods won the Masters. But for somebody like Shane Lowry, like that week is it, it's 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 an all time week. Like that's never happening again. Right. A hundred percent. He might win another major, whatever. Probably not going to. But even if he does, it's not it's not like that. You know, your first one, an open in Northern Ireland. I mean, are you kidding me? And so like, and and he's not, and this was sort of my point and it, it sort of played out in this way on Monday from what we saw. He's not, he's not famous enough to not be able to like go out and sell. Like he's like the right amount of famous to where he gets recognized. He gets like the benefits from, from fame, but he doesn't get like, like Tiger can't go out to like the bar in Augusta and celebrate his master's win. Right. And there's like a sadness to that. Like he, he just like, it, it, there's like a loneliness to it, honestly. And we didn't see that from Lowry and from, for Lowry, he gets to go out, he gets to party with his friends, uh, party with people he I'm sure doesn't know. Like, it's just, I don't know. Like I, I loved it. I thought that throughout the week he was so vulnerable in, in just like the way he was talking about like I don't know if I have what it takes and like you said like I can relate to that like I don't sometimes know if I have what it takes as a writer as a dad as a whatever you know fill in the blank and to see him sort of celebrate that triumph 
I, I don't know, man. I, I thought it was pretty cool. If not for the claret jug, you could have guessed Shane Lowry was uh, celebrating. What would he be celebrating? A birthday? Maybe it was like a rehearsal dinner. I was trying to figure think, out like what I the bar scene would be. Like successfully like steering a, 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 a cargo ship into the port. <laughs> <laughs> is that ju- a little bit of judgment for this coastal community? Not judgment, no, but stereotyping. No. Okay, all right. Like he could be, he could be a like a a. a sa- he looks like a, he could be a sailor. Right, 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 right. He's you know he's he's just uh he's just returned from four months uh out in the northern Atlantic on an incredibly dangerous voyage, and he's come back successfully, and he's celebrating with all of his loved ones his return to homeland. Yeah, they're dodging like icebergs around Greenland and yeah, the 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 Guinness is flowing when he returns to the the motherland. If if not for the claret jug, you could have told me that like this was just uh a group that was celebrating a, a big business closing or something. Like it, it it was it was local celebrity to the point where yes, it was causing a huge scene, uh but but not to the point where anyone was going to mob him. <laughs> right. And I thought that, you know, and I, I referenced this in some stuff I wrote, but Sean Martin, friend of the, friend of the program, uh, he went to his home club in Ireland and talk about some scenes. I mean, that was his people should go read his piece. It's on uh, pjtour.com. It, it was just, it, I mean, it fit the narrative really well. Um, just in terms of like what you see is what you get from this dude. And, you know, I, I think that we live in this super duper mega sports star world. And while Shane Lowry is a bunch of things that I will never be like awesome at golf and famous and very rich, he's also a lot of things that a lot of us are, which is from somewhere with people who he grew up with and he's able to, return to those places in ways that a lot of other guys are not. And so it's just, it's like the, I don't know, man, like it's, it's like the wheelhouse, it's like the right wheelhouse of a lot of things coming together in a way that they just don't when somebody like Tiger or Kepka or DJ wins a major. Shout out to Sean Martin. And I don't say this condescendingly, but that was like a capital W rider, capital J journo move. To, to yeah. leave Portrush and be like, oh, I'm going to go to his home club. And that's, I mean, that's some stellar, stellar stuff. And because I, I mean, I, truthfully, Kyle, I don't know if I would have had the stones to call my shot like that, right? <laughs> I might have been like, he, I don't know. I think, he's a, I think he might be a member there now. <laughs> he might. <laughs> I probably would have hung around Portrush. I probably would have been like, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Spieth had a five-shot lead going to the back nine on Sunday too. But. Yeah, he's he's so good at stuff like that, though. Like he, that's like his. He, I mean, I think he was like just he was loving that. Like he was fired up. Yeah. So um, I'm sure he will be on in due time and uh, able to share some of those experiences here on the podcast. Uh, what what else do we have from uh, from some of the open continued open fallout? Uh, so one of the things, and I think I did this also after our pod on Sunday was I was looking at, at uh, what Kepka has done or what he did in the 2019 major season. 
the number of golfers that he beat was just, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know that we're underrating his 2019 major performance, but it was, it was, he beat 99.1% of golfers that he faced. So he, he went up against 551 guys over four events and he beat or tied 546 of them. So Tiger got him at Augusta, Woodland got him at the U.S. Open, and then Finau, Fleetwood, and Lowry got him at the Open. That's it. That's the list. And, uh, you know, if you look at historically, Tiger beat 99.3% in 2000 when he won three majors. And I get it. Like, he only won one of them. People only care about winning, but to go out and have that kind of major season, I, that's that's wild. Uh, Sean Zog did this thing. He's he he. Uh, there's a tweet or a couple of tweets that he had. He said after his T4 finish at Portrush, Kepka has earned 68% of his uh, ranking points, his OWGR points, via majors. So if he only played majors, he'd be ranked number two in the world. Like if he, like literally, if he did not play non-majors over the last two years, he would still be ranked number two in the world. So for ninety nine point one, should that math be that surprising? When well, you know, to start off, there's one hundred and fifty six players, and I'm like better than half of them, and then out of that yeah, half, the other half just psychs themselves out mentally. So I just have to be better than about twenty four, twenty five golfers. I was thinking about that. Who do you think is who? Who do you think's on his list? Like okay. who's in the thirty? Like who's in the ones that he actually has to beat, or, or yeah, the ones that he yeah that he thinks about. Like is is like is Ricky on that list? Is Ricky on Kepka's list? No, I, I I'm not sure he is. I think I <laughs> is, think DJ's is, still on his list. I feel like he's got DJ's number, but I think DJ's still on his list. Is Spieth on it? No. <laughs> What if it's what if it's only people that are big? What if Gary Woodland's on that list but Spieth isn't? The key the key to Kepka's heart is is more in physical appearance than you might imagine than actual uh, golf skills. I bet, I bet like yeah, it's like Finau. It's like uh, like JD Holmes might be on it. Right, right. Not after Sunday, but is Fleetwood on it? Uh, no, but surprisingly, I think Justin Thomas is. Because Justin Thomas's <laughs> game is heavier than his actual weight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Tiger's probably on it for sure. Rory's probably on it for sure. Maybe. I want to see. I want. I want. I want to see the list. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about that on Sunday. We keep talking. Like everybody's like keeps talking about the yeah the quote that he. I think that was at the was that at the U.S. Open or the PGA? Uh no, it was at the U.S. Open because that was when he just showed up off the PGA spraying alpha juice everywhere. <laughs> Just <laughs> clowning Joe Buck, calling him Jim. You yeah, know, that's right. Just like talking at the press presser about how easy it is for him to win majors. Yeah, <laughs> it was a pebble. So the other Kepka thing, and this sort of gets us into the, into the 29 back into the 2019 deal. So I looked at, so there was, uh, I think there's 14 guys that made the cut at all four majors and his score to par was 36 under second best of guys that made the cut at all four majors in 2019 was Xander and DJ at 14 under. So Brooks was 22 strokes better than the other 
the next two closest guys to make the cut at all four majors. That's pretty crazy. And then past that, you got Cantley at 12, Webb at 9, Molinari at 9, Kuchar at 8, Fowler. And then at the other end, you've got Cam Smith, who somehow made the cut at all four majors and was plus 20. Well, all right. So let me provide at least the argument of a little bit of context, particularly as you mentioned, Xander and DJ, because the distance between Brooks and them is, in my mind, a huge compliment to uh, Brooks's rally from three straight bogeys on Sunday while Xander and Four. DJ and the rest of that field is just ejecting. Yeah. I mean, and we talked about that on Sunday, right? Like he's sort of, he's sort of like, I don't, I don't, do we think about Brooks being a grinder? We don't think about Brooks being a grinder, but a lot of, I, th- I think a lot of the Brooks analysis, particularly after Beth page, does come back to the idea of like, oh yeah, he hits it really long, but it's not just that. It's that if he lands in the rough, he does have the strength and the game to be able to still get it on the green and give himself a chance. So like, I think he, that's, yeah, that's not necessarily grinding, but it's not point and shoot golf either. I think he, I think he grinds a little like, and I think he's got like, like, so we always talk about DJ's disposition, right? Oh, just doesn't, you know, doesn't even remember the last hole. Like, like literally might not remember the last <laughs> hole. But with Brooks, I think, I think he's like, I think he's got a better disposition for the whole thing because I think that he is really smart about the way that he attacks courses, but also his demeanor and his like, the way that he thinks about things, he just doesn't care about the last hole. You know, like sure. I, I just, I think, I, I don't think his disposition gets enough credit. Like it's, it's almost, it's, there's some DJ in there, but there's also like some speed in there where there's like 5 million things going through your head, but he's not like, he's not like, he, he doesn't need a psychologist to like work through them. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I think he's sort of, I think there's a lot of grind in there. You don't want two at U.S. Opens, I guess, and, unless there is. Two different U.S. Opens, too, as we always like to mention. Yeah. Aaron Hills yeah, and Yeah, very different. Um, yeah. All right. You are cooking on something. Ricky Fowler, Lee Westwood. Are you saying that he's American Lee Westwood? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. I wasn't. That wasn't my take, but that's a good take, I think. Yeah. I just, Look. Like a lot of the fallout from the open was just about how those guys can't win or haven't won or whatever. And I get that. It's true. And I think there's some there's some interesting stuff in there. And I think it's important to talk about. But also like to finish top five at for Westwood, I think this was like his 12th major to finish in the top five. It was. Ricky's been in the top 10 in the world golf rankings for like eight years. The, the, I get that it, I get that like the only award that matters is winning a major. Like that's all, that's it. Like that's all anybody. And I, I get it. Like I do. But there has to be some sort of like, 
tip of the hat or something for like being that good at golf for that long. Like we have to, we have to step outside of the major thing and just recognize like staying in the top 10 in the world for, or whatever it is, top 15 for eight or nine or whatever years is way harder than winning a major. It just is like you, you have to be now it's a different kind of hard. Right. Um, right. But it's just it, it to have that sort of like endurance at that level for that long. I don't know. I, I, I just I, I think we way underrate how difficult that is to do. And, and it, it just speaks to my whole deal about how there should be more measurements of success in golf than simply winning majors. Right. And you know, the, you, you were hoping that these players that have been so stellar and you, you respect the consistency and the, um, the greatness over time, you believe that they deserve their flowers and that in our major centric conversation, we don't give them, uh, and I made this joke at the end of our podcast last time, and it also ties into, uh, you know, a frequent joke throughout the golf community, but there, there is a list, there is a measurement that can, uh, allow some of those players to be recognized and it's called the earnings list and <laughs> like Lee Westwood and Ricky Fowler have made a lot of money and they are, they are doing all right with their earnings based on that success over a long period of time. Now, you know, the, the joke being that uh, everyone in the, in the post tiger world has some of these inflated numbers. If you're the number 15 player on the all time earnings list, are you the number 15 player all time? Absolutely not. But there, there are measurements out there we don't take them into consideration necessarily for sustained greatness, but I think that there is a level of uh, respect that is afforded to the to the Lee Westwoods, to the Ricky Fowlers. And I come back to my Sergio point from, I guess, a couple weeks ago where the book on Sergio Garcia was written before he won the Masters. Winning the Masters didn't necessarily change big picture in the macro what Sergio Garcia's career was. It did eliminate a footnote in terms of, you know, did all these things, but did not win a major. So it would be nice, I'm sure, for Lee Westwood if he had been able to, you know, continue that birdie train from early in the round. And, and you know, maybe he was the the heartwarming story. And, you know, Ricky Fowler, certainly the, the door was open at different times during this championship for him to go and get it and for this to be his moment. But I still think for both of those golfers, like Sergio, it it is a footnote now uh, that still comes beneath uh, just large swaths of information that tell us that they were one of the best of an era. Who do you think has more wins as a pro, Sergio or Lee Westwood? Lee Westwood. Uh, yeah, he's got 43. <laughs> uh, Sergio has 34. Now, Sergio has way more on the PGA tour and he has a major, but it's pretty interesting. And I think, I think your point is a good one, but look, here's the thing. This is why I love like thinking, writing, talking, podcasting, HQing, whatever about golf is because it's, it's so unique in the way that you can argue about it because other sports like football, basketball, whatever, it's like, okay, well, did you, did you beat the other team? You know, that, that's like the, and if it's just like a yes, it's like binary. And with golf, it's so much more complicated because you're not, you don't get to play defense. 
you're playing against yourself, you're playing against the course, you're playing all over the world, you're playing in different element. There's so many more variables and not to mention the fact that you don't get to try and stop the other players. That's what makes it so fascinating because I could just as easily argue the other side of the Fowler thing, you know? Right. And uh, I don't know. But yeah, that, I, that was sort of just something that I was I had been thinking about kind of post open with with two guys who, who get a lot of flack for like never having like won anything super important in terms of a major, but have been awesome for a combined 30 years. Um, where do you think Rory, and we're going to get into, uh, we're going to get into our picks for Memphis here on the other side of the break, but where do you think Rory's head is at after the missed cut? Well, so there was this quote, and European Tour posted it on their Instagram account. I don't know if they, I don't know where he posted it. Um, I'm getting old and can't figure out social media apparently, but European Tour posted it on Instagram. He said, this is part of a longer quote, but he said, Rory said, as I said afterwards, your support, he's talking about the fans, hit me like a ton of bricks. I don't know what I've done to deserve it. I kind of do. But I'm so appreciative and I'll do my best to let you know that more often. I've learned a lot over the last few days and I'm more motivated than ever to become the golfer and competitor I know I can be. What do you think about that? I'm not moved that much. I'm more moved by, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm more moved by the like off course reaction on raw reaction on Friday. And it is difficult for me. This, this is incredibly cynical, but it's difficult for me not to read that quote, knowing that Rory's still trying to sell golf pass subscriptions. He's a mark. I mean, he's a business. Yeah, I. I don't know, I, I, man. I'm not, like, I'm not get, taking that quote. I'm not taking that quote, and I'm being like, "Oh, this is going to turn things around." Because it's not like Rory needs any big turnaround moments. He's played phenomenal elite golf for most of the season. There have been individual weekends and individual results that have been very, very disappointing. But even at this stage in his career, like I don't. I am not going to look at Portrush and look, I welcome to be proven wrong here, but I'm not going to look at Portrush and I'm not going to look at that quote and I'm not going to think that there is some elevation or next level or turning point or change in attitude that's going to be coming out of this. He, he catches flag for the golf pass thing and I understand why. I, I think it's pretty easy to separate. Like, I, I just don't know if he's like, caught up in all that. I think he like sort of does his marketing stuff. And I think this about Fowler as well. They sort of do their marketing things, but it's just so like, there's just directed by other people to do this stuff. And then they, and then like they move on to like their actual stuff, the golf, their, their actual lives. I don't know. I don't know that, the, I don't know that that is like, but how much does maybe, fan, how much does fan feedback like have to do with your actual golf how much like oh I, I realized i need to recognize the fans for you know how much they mean to me brooks Kepka doesn't feel like that dustin johnson yes. doesn't feel like that 
I totally get what you're saying, but I, I do think that there is something about, and this is, I swear, I think I wrote this on Friday after he missed a the cut. There's something about like, he doesn't, he lives like this weird, not like life now. Like nobody from Northern Ireland lives the life that he lives and he doesn't live the life that ever, that everybody from Northern Ireland lives. And, and I do think that like, there's something about going back to where you're from, going back to where you grew up and just getting like a taste of real life. Like this is like, this is, this is the whole deal. Like he, he lives this like weird otherworldly life in Florida and all over the world and I do think there's something, and and I look, I don't. Is he going to help him play better golf? I don't know if it's possible for him to play better golf, but I do think it is maybe more grounding, like as a as a person, as a human, uh, than it is on the golf course. So I'm with you in that. I don't know that it does. I don't think it does anything for him as a golfer, but. Um, just as a, as a person, I think that was a pretty interesting and unique and unexpected, honestly, experience for him. Yeah. Again, willing to be proven wrong. And I apologize for going a little overly cynical on that one, but (laughs) the man's got a private jet. If he wants to go home to get some home cooking, he can like there's, there's, it'll, it'll be interesting. Look, only time will tell, right? Only, only what happens after this, how he responds, uh, will we be able to see if we can tie any connections to the disappointment at Portrush. Uh, coming up on the other side, we'll be hitting some news, question of the day, and our picks for the WGC at Memphis. Next. So uh, Tiger Woods missed cut, but that doesn't stop him from dropping some news on the Sunday of the Open Championship. How about that for timing? Yeah. <laughs> That's just can't get away. Can't get away from it. It's like I'm trying to think on all this Lowry stuff and formulate something, you know, meaningful and good. It's like, oh, Tiger's playing a skins game in Japan in October. Oh, great. Yeah, that's what I wanted to write about today. That's fun. Uh, I, do you are, are you interested? Do no, you care? No, absolutely not. I'm sure it's a. Yeah. Gr- I'm sure it's going to be a great event for everyone that's there. I don't think it's going to demand my attention uh, from the United States. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. That's where I am, and I think globally it's cool. And I think, like, I really do. I think that, I think that global growth of golf in Asia is is uh, is great, and I think there's a ton of potential, and I think it's sort of a forerunner to the Olympics next year and you know, all these different things. Um, but I just, I just don't know that I care when the uh, NBA sends teams to China and to Japan for like preseason every single year, I probably get more joy out of, uh, watching the players, Instagram stories as they go through like a culture shock (laughs) than I do actually watching the competition. And I don't, I don't know what kind of 1 a.m. wake up uh, videos we're going to get from Tiger. But like you want to see you want to see Jason Day at like a sumo wrestling match or what? Uh, well, no, I want to see um, I, I want to see Bubba wearing that traditional garb at the beginning of the HSBC champions opening ceremony. Those are some of the, the great photos of all time. Yeah. Duffner, Bubba, Phil. Phil looks like he's like 
way too into it. Right, right. He's welcoming. Uh, he's welcoming. He's he's a full. He's full win in Rome in that moment. Oh yeah, I think in in most moments. Um, but yeah, the Japan thing. It's cool. Would you care if it was in like I don't know Phoenix? No, I don't think so. Uh, I want to. I want a. I want a, um, I want a team thing, and I want it mic'd up, and I want Phil involved. You, you sound like you're making your demands right now. I am. These are these are. These, send it to, <laughs> send it to Steinberg. Let's let's do this. These want, these I are my demands. Justin Thomas, there. I want Phil to be. I, I actually just want Phil as like the MC of the whole deal. Like I just I just want him mic'd up for like. I want him mic'd up for a long enough period of time that he forgets he has the microphone on and just starts saying just crazy Phil stuff. No, I want him playing like the on-course reporter role where he's just like <laughs> walking behind the groups. Man, Ricky has really found himself in some trouble here. You know, I would be doing this. Doesn't look like he's going to do it. I wish I could uh, read to you. I will forward them to you off off this podcast, but I wish I could read to you some of the texts that got passed around whenever we found out that he had been fasting for, for, for six days for the open. <laughs> I'll screenshot you some stuff that I just howled at. I mean, it was incredible. Um, the, <laughs> again, I will maintain if that man can find loopholes with the security and exchange commission, he can find loopholes in the fasting rule. Uh, sorry, say that again. I was looking for the text. What, never, did, what did I never mind, Never mind. <laughs> uh, all right. What about Masters 2020 odds have been released? Brooks Kepka's the favorite. Any surprising? Any surprising uh, names or odds there? Uh, no. I think Ricky at 20 to 1 is a little low. I would have him more at 18 or 16. Uh, Rom at 20 is pretty low. Maybe. Oh, I mean, I'm just going to continue my plan of just flushing Xander Shoffley tickets down the drain until he finally cashes in a break even. Xander 25 to 1. Yeah. Uh, so my sleepers that might work, it's like 263 days from now. We're talking about master sleepers. Very on brand for us. But um, so Westwood's 150, which is interesting. He's been awesome there. Terrell Hatton's 100 to 1. Kind of like that. Uh, Sergio is 100 to 1. Cam Smith's 100 to 1. The one I love the most because I think he, I think he's both like emotionally and physically volatile enough that come March, you could be like, should this guy be the favorite? Is uh, Thomas Peters at 150 to 1. Whoa! Looking for the resurgence of Thomas Peters. Like, I don't like. I'm not saying that he's going to be anywhere close to even like the top 15 favorites, but I think there's a world in which like you could go into the masters thinking like, could this guy win? Like he finished T4 two years ago. I've got, I don't know. Mm, Nah, I'm I'm, going to take, uh, I'll take Thomas Peters in the Belgian knockout and I'll take him in the uh, made in Finland, Finland open. I'm not taking him at the masters. (laughs) 
Speaking of Thomas Peters, did you see the Henrik Stenson club club snap? Incredible. It was I, I, it, it was awesome. Henrik Stenson, he is very in shape, but he's a little bit older. I don't know why he was putting that much pressure on his neck. I thought he was going to snap it into fourths. I did too. That that's the that's the move, right? Like that is the that's the alpha move. If Kepka ever snaps a club, that he's going like he might go eights. <laughs> he's snap it twice. <laughs> Do you have you have you snapped a club over your leg? No, I've always wanted to. Um but no, I I never I never have. I I don't I don't make enough money to do that. I don't get that mad. Uh I've thrown a club. I do I do probably get that mad, but I don't have an I don't have enough money and I don't get enough equipment to be able to just be like snapping seven irons over my knee. Even as you're just so mad and you're just seeing red, you've got enough of like an internal understanding of uh, cost benefit analysis to not just snap a club. Well, the thing that I always, when I'm watching like just different events, the, th- the, the place where I would go the craziest I think is, is, uh, like the NBA. I don't know how those guys don't like punch each other. I really don't. Well, they used to. I, I just, I don't know how they like control themselves. I, I don't think I would be able to. Um, like if Draymond is like bodying me and like, you know, just, just screaming obscene things that like words I've never heard. Like I, I would, I, I don't know how I would handle that. Um, you would be mentally strong enough to tune him out. That's where he gets I you. I don't think so. <laughs> I think my the closest I cl- I come is a club. Like I don't even throw a club, but I will definitely do the like on the follow through of a horrible shot. Just kind of let the club fly a little bit. It's probably yeah. not going to get more than like ten to twelve feet in the air, or be more than like twenty feet away from me. And yeah, there's a risk that could break. But it's a very, very low risk that a club's going to break in that situation. Yeah, that's that's a go-to move for me as well. I was playing with – everybody wants to hear about my golf stories. I was playing with some buddies the other day, and I had like – I was like one – I don't know, 160 out. had like a uh, – no, I was like 180. had like a six iron, whatever. And I hit this like pretty good like cut shot, and it goes like 10 yards over the green, and I'm just, I'm just pissed. I'm just like so mad. And one of my buddies was like, do you think you're actually good enough to be mad that that shot didn't stay on the green? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, I just started laughing. I was like, that's a, that's a good point. Like that was a really good shot. And who cares if it didn't stay on the green? (laughs) I think, I think that that might be my balance. I'm just not good enough to get that angry. Most of the time that I'm playing golf, I'm just very happy to be playing golf. Not we do need a. Uh, there should be a prop of like going into the 2020 Masters of who's most likely to snap a club. It would be, I mean, like Peters and Stinson would be up there. Bryson. Um, Bry- <laughs> Bryson would go about it so like mechanically, like he would probably like bend it with his foot first, <laughs> and then snap it over his knee. Well, he's designed the clubs. He actually knows the one perfect moment of impact. He'll <laughs> he'll knock on it on the shaft, find the one point, and then snap with perfect precision. 
uh, Terrell Hatton is like probably eight to one. That'd Rom. be a that'd be a fun prop. Rom. Rom. Yeah, Rom might just eat a club. I don't know if he would snap it. He would just like just chew off the head. Hey, don't fat shame our thick boys out there. <laughs> I thought Ron was going to eat his golf ball on 18 on Sunday. He left it. He just had, it was just a rough, rough day for him. And I mean, it was a rough day for everybody, but he leaves his putt on 18, like on the, on the lip and the, the, the face that he made at it. I was like, he, he might eat his, <laughs> his tailor made golf ball. Like he might just swallow it. Um, the non in this, this week in, uh non consequential non consequential uh head to head uh head to head matchups following into Sunday was John Rom versus Dustin Johnson who ejects the hardest Yes Rom won it by yeah. I think 3 or 4 strokes but things were bad enough and moving quickly enough that nothing was fair game I was like well we'll see what happens here <laughs> And then and then Holmes clipped them both by like fifteen. <laughs> I will not stop laughing about JB Holmes in that final round. I'm sorry, JB, but it was funny. It was funny. It was rough. It was it was rough. Uh, uh, okay, I got one question for you before we get to picks. Okay. Can I give you Can I give you one question? Yeah. Which golfer, in your mind, changed their own? narrative like the way that we think about them the most at the 2019 majors i i don't mean it as the easy answer because i i think i can come at you with two but i do think that the conversation changing with tiger is more dramatic and impactful for the sport as a whole in terms of like uh you know, we, we talk on this podcast a lot about the incessant need for Tiger commentary and narrative is what we're talking about here. The story, the way we talk about him, you know, for a long time, it was like, I don't know. He's, he looks like he's uncomfortable. He's hurt. Then it was, I don't know. He's going to have some burgie, some birdies, some bogeys. He'll probably finish around even par. Then it was like, oh, wow. That was, that was really fun to see him contend again. And then it was, oh, he won the tour championship. And, and to have the masters be at the end of that run that I think dates back to, uh, the Open Championship at Carnoustie, I do think that just putting on that green jacket changed the narrative, changed the way we talk about Tiger in a dramatic fashion. I would, and I'll, and I'll run her up uh, on Woodland because I think Woodland has shown some big boy stuff over the last two years or so. And to have him like really just have a championship worthy performance and beat Kepka at the US Open at a grand stage like Pebble. I think that changes the Gary Woodland narrative in a major and long lasting way. I like the Woodland one tiger. I don't know. Like I feel like we're ending the major season saying what we were saying going in, in that like, Hey, he can be competitive, but we don't know what we're getting. Right. Like isn't, wasn't inconsistency the, the narrative coming in and the narrative leaving the major season. Yeah. Or did or did we not think that he did we not think that he could I don't think we like, truly did, I don't think we truly thought he could win another major. I do, yeah, I do I not think, think we could. Yeah, we that, did. That part is I think that's fair. I think that's a good point. I think mine might be Xander. 
I mean, we, we, we can talk about his, uh, non-conforming equipment at some point, but to, uh, to do what he did, I mean, I don't know, like it gets, it gets a little lost because of the Kepka stuff, but he's, so the top three guys at the majors this year are Kepka, Xander and DJ. And we don't, we don't ever, ever talk about Xander in the same way we talk about either of those guys, not even close. And yet him and DJ, I think, are a lot closer in terms of performance and expectation. I mean, I look, he's not in – nobody's in Kepka's league, and especially not uh, – I, I don't think Xander is. But can we go into next major season saying like, hey, my expectations for Xander are the same as my expectations for DJ? Nobody's Nobody's going to do that, but maybe we should. If you're looking for um, an example of why – there might be some breaks pumped is that it would be Ricky Fowler's 2014 major season and what has happened since then. So when Xander explodes on the scene, he becomes a guy that everyone talks about. He doesn't have the extra, you know, marketing bump of the blaze orange or, you know, some of the other aspects that made Ricky Fowler more of a instant fan favorite on the PGA tour. But if you're, if you're wondering why Xander is being overlooked, and again, number one, Xander Shoffley, picking him all the time, just lighting tickets on fire, figuring out ways he's going to finish T3 at every single major <laughs> next year. Like you, you are talking to a Xander believer, but I think the reason why the narrative hasn't changed as much is because in, on paper, like you could see how this would just be like Ricky's 2014 and you know, that example says that you can have that kind of year, but it does not promise a directly linear trajectory moving forward. Yeah, it's a good point. And that was my thing going to the open with him of like, look, I know you went, so he went, uh, he, he, he's got one, two, three, five top sixes in the last three years at majors. And in the last, uh, six majors, he's got four top sixes. No, the last seven majors, he's got four top sixes. That's really impressive. Uh, but going into the open, my whole deal was like, look, I want, I, and and it's sort of the Fowler thing of like, I know you're shooting like 67 on Saturday when you're not in it. And then, you know, holding together a 70 on Sunday and finishing T9, but there's, you're never like really feeling it. I want to see Xander sleep on like a two stroke lead on Saturday night at a PGA and then go, uh, that, and then go win it. Yeah. yeah. And like, we haven't like, that's not, that's just not a storyline that we've ever seen from, from him or really from, I don't think Ricky's ever held a 54 hole leader to major. And I'd like to see it. Like, I just want to see what happens. You know, I, I'm not saying one thing or the other would happen, but it's just, it's different, you know, and this is sort of the opposite of the point that I was arguing earlier, but it is different when you get around the lead and just how uncomfortable it is and how it's not, I mean, guys just don't, they don't love, some guys don't love that spot. A lot of guys do, but some don't. Um, I apologize for skipping over it earlier. What is the non-conforming driver? So uh, how much time do we have? Um, are you on HQ today? I've got uh one thirty. Okay. So we got an hour to discuss Sanders <laughs> driver. 
with a little bit of time to switch uh, over. We, we might need all of it. So he got popped on, I think, Tuesday during the Open for his driver failed uh, a, a test from the RNA. And I don't know. Look, it's like Bryson wouldn't be able to explain all this stuff. It's very complex and very. It, and it didn't fail by like it's it, everybody like essentially the stories that came out were like everybody's sort of flirting with this. These edges like running stuff up to the edge and like it's easy to to go over it. It's not an excuse, but it's just very easy. It's not like they're like, it's not like he, the court bat thing got thrown around. It's not like as bad as court. Like that's not the deal, but he did get popped. And the weird part about all of it was that he starts going. So he, he's the one that brings all this up. None of us know about this. No, nobody in the media knows about it. Nobody's talking about it. He brings it up at his media scrum after he shoot, I think he shot 65 on Friday. I think it was round of the day tied with Rory. Right. And he brings it up. He said, yeah, I played better on Friday than I did on Thursday because I had this new driver and everybody's like, well, why'd you, what? And he said, yeah, my driver failed this test on Tuesday. And so I had to get new equipment and everybody's like, oh my gosh, like really? Like no, nobody knew about this. And then later in the week, he starts going off on the RNA about how they shouldn't be leaking stories and they shouldn't be, you know, running around telling people about this stuff. And it's like, wait a second, like you're, nobody knew about this until you brought it up. Now, I think what he was talking about was other players had known about it or like people on the grounds, maybe other officials. He, he, he referenced a few of those people. But still, no fans knew about it that I know of. No media definitely didn't know about it because it would it would have been written about and talked about, uh, at least not in, in an official capacity. And the whole thing was really strange. Like he's 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 just taking shots at the RNA, taking shots at PXG, TaylorMade, all these different people. And it's like, wait a second, dude, like. What what are we doing here? Like you're you're the one that got popped, and 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 you're playing, you know, Callaway stuff. Like th- this is your deal, not anybody else's. He and he said something like, you know, I like I I believe that PXG got popped also. And you're like you be, you like you better know that you better not believe it or think it or probably it happened. Like you better know that that's actually what happened. And uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what comes of all of it. I I hear that story and I just can't think that like the way he handled it is the like is is this interaction um <clears throat> girlfriend approaching boyfriend concerned look on her face uh honey we need to talk boyfriend says no I didn't kiss her I swear we were just talking <laughs> <laughs> like buddy you didn't that's you didn't that's pretty much that's pretty much what happened <laughs> no one said anything about this why why'd you bring that tell me more now um yeah yeah no nah, he that i read and he i read that situation after hearing the way you just told it as like him getting his feelings hurt that people were probably snickering a little bit on the course and being as insulated as I imagine any uh, golfer would be in the middle of a major championship, especially for a golfer from San Diego, California, playing in 
uh, or from California playing in Royal Portrush. Like the idea that a few people around you are saying it might might sort of give you the impression that it's a much bigger story than it really is. But yeah, yeah, that yeah. comes that comes a lot back. That comes right back to me thinking that he was like, well, no, 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 no. We we were only hanging out. We didn't kiss. And I was like, wait, we didn't. Who we didn't even mention anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> the one good point that he did make was that look if and the number that got thrown around was four other or three other drivers failed so four total. Well, they only test thirty guys. So if that's true, then that's over ten percent. Then everybody needs to be tested all the time because if this many drivers are failing, like what the like outside of the rules, then. I don't know. Like, and I know Andy Johnson, Pride Egg has, has written about this. I haven't read it yet, but him and him and poor, I talked about it a lot and, and certainly more intelligently than I'm talking about it right now. But, um, it's, I don't know. Like, I think it'll, it'll be an interesting talking point going forward, whether it gets buried or doesn't, it's going to be, it's going to be a talking point. Um, all right, let's, let's save ranking the majors for a little bit of a longer discussion on another show. Does that sound good? Yes. Okay. Uh, picks for Memphis. Who are you going with? Uh, Rory. It'd be, it'd be very, I mean, isn't that just what's going to happen? Because, because of the motivation? No, just like the, the whole thing, like I, I'm with you. Like, I don't think anybody's. It's not like last week is going to cause him to play terrible golf. He's been the best golfer of the year. It's a WGC event. It's at a course that is, I I just, I don't know. I think he's going to win this week. Like he didn't have the stress of a major last week in terms of competing on Saturday and Sunday in the thick of it. I just, it's just very easy for me to envision happening. Uh, Do you know who my pick is? The, the man who for reasons that we have talked about on this podcast sort of has been lying low, not always getting the top billing, you know, health's been a little bit of an issue. So we don't always talk about one of the best players in the world. And this WGC event seems like a good time for Justin Thomas to go out and remind everyone that he's one of the best Mm, players in the world. I I, like that. I I like that a lot. Loved his Sunday performance. I mean, Justin Thomas and Patty Reed fist bumping each other as JT is throwing low scores down. I just, and, and I don't know, man, I, li- I like JT. I, I just, I, I'm starting to get those vibes that what's been kind of an exhausting season for some of those figures up at the top of golf, that as we get down to some of these events uh, later in the season, into the playoffs, into the tour championship, I mean, it just seems like, it it seems like JT's going to have some gas left in the tank that maybe some of the other competitors won't. And I think that JT, you, yeah, JT, JT to win the FedEx cup. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Yeah. I, I think that's a, I think that's a fun, bet. um, I like that pick. That's solid. Good stuff. I love it. Um, all right. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. We will be back on Thursday. We'll rank the majors and uh, tackle some more fun. Uh, Kyle, thank you very much. Thanks, Chip.